Chapter 18. There was only one way for a person to reach the Yurk logging camp by car. They had to drive down the long dirt road that the Yurks had cut through the forest. Jake wanted me to go with Tobias and see if we could spot Ferrand coming in. Jake made some quick decisions. He, Marco, Rachel, and Axe took off, leaving me with Tobias. I looked up ruefully at Tobias. You and me, I guess. I'm always glad to have you along. Tobias said. I began to morph into an osprey. It was my bird of prey morph, and the only thing I had that could keep up with Tobias in the air. Look, Tobias, this has been bothering me, and since, you know, I want to get this off my chest. I'm sorry I got mad at you over the skunk kit. You were just doing what you had to do, I said. I could feel my bones thinning and hollowing out. Gray feathers began to paint their patterns on my arms. I could live off food you guys brought me, Tobias said. I don't have to hunt. Okay, then why do you? I asked, just before my mouth mutated into a beak. Because I'm not just a human. I'm also a hawk. Hawks hunt live prey. Would it be better if I let you do my killing for me? Is it more moral if I eat a frozen mouse you get from some supplier? Look, Tobias, I know all about how nature works. I know about predators and prey. It's just... It's just confusing. I mean, where does right and wrong come into it? Snowy white feathers were growing all down my front, replacing the fabric of my morphing suit. My feet were becoming pale gray talons. I don't know. I guess if I were running around killing animals I didn't intend to eat, that would be wrong. But hawks have a right to live just as much as a mouse or a skunk. My human eyes were giving way to the incredibly amazing hawk vision. There was some color distortion because these eyes were adapted for seeing through water. The osprey eats fish. Nature designed them to see fish, even below the shimmering surface of a lake or river. Ready to fly? Tobias asked me. I flapped my wings a couple of times. Let's go, I said, trying to sound like Rachel. Tobias flapped his wings, caught a headwind, and suddenly shot almost straight up. I opened my wings and contracted the tireless flying muscles. Flap, flap, flap. And I also caught the breeze. I flapped to get above the trees. Then a stronger breeze came up and I soared high. It's like stepping on a very fast escalator. Zoom! I flapped hard, wanting the sensation of speed. Tobias was ahead of me, and as I flew, I watched him. I watched the incredibly subtle movements of his wings. He almost seemed to be able to move individual feathers. For him, the wind was not invisible. It was a road as clear as it was blacktop. As I followed him, I sensed the osprey brain beneath my own, adjusting and reacting to the wind. My eyes saw every small detail. They marked each animal, each hole where an animal might be hiding. I saw a bright stream and saw the shadows of fish flitting through the rocks. My osprey had been designed by nature for this, flying high and finding prey, just like Tobias. We flew up and up. The tops of trees were like some bumpy lawn beneath us. I could see all of the Yurk logging camp, 
and I could see the massive yellow machines that were slicing through the trees like hot knives through butter. Already there was an ugly scar of stumps, a scar that spread like some terrible disease, eating the forest away. Tobias veered right toward the long, winding road through the trees. I banked my wings and went after him. The stream joined a small river, rushing and bubbling alongside the road. Through the water, through the foam and bubbles, I saw the school of fish darting, and I could feel the osprey's brain considering the situation, measuring the distances, calculating the angles, planning the way it would skim low over the surface of the water, then lower its ripping talons at just the perfect moment to strike, to snatch a fish right out of the water. I knew that Tobias was making the same calculations as he flew over mice and rats and rabbits. And skunks. Tobias and I were two superb, beautiful killers riding the wind while our prey cowered beneath us. But he was right. We had as much of a right to live as any of our prey, and we had been designed by millions of years of evolution to be predators. There, Tobias said. A jeep! I looked and saw the vehicle coming down the road. Then, with my amazingly acute hawk vision, I saw right through the windows, as though the glass were the surface of a stream. Three guys, one driving, one beside him. There's one guy in the back seat, and he looks older. Yep, and the side of the jeep says daps and lumber. My guess is the driver and the other guy are controllers. The guy in the back seat is looking all around like he's very interested in what's going on. They'll reach the camp in a few minutes. As soon as we see how this foreign guy reacts, we'll know if he's already been made into a controller, I said. How's that? The Yurks have gone ahead with logging, I explained. If Ferrand is still a true human, he'll be massively upset. If he's calm, he's already one of them. Good point, Tobias said. What do we do? I mean, if he's a controller already, I asked. I don't know. I guess we focus on attacking the logging operation itself. Really? You know what we'd do if you were a non-human controller? I asked. We'd go after him, and whatever happened, happened, right? You mean like a termite? Tobias asked dryly. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean, I said. Look, Cassie, you're a human, homo sapien. Your job is to keep yourself and your species alive. That's all nature wants from you. That's the whole point of evolution. To survive. He sounded angry. We were following the jeep now, heading back toward the logging camp. It would happen in just a few minutes. In just a few minutes, Ferrand would see what was going on, and we would know what he truly was. One of us, or one of them. Survive, I said flatly. That's the law of nature, the number one law, and humans are a part of nature. Then so are the Yurks, and we're no better than them. I guess we'll have to worry about that one later, Tobias said. Look. The jeep pulled to a stop in front of the Yurk fortress. Ferrand flung open his doors and jumped out. I could easily see him waving his arms. Even from where I was, I could see the anger on his face. Then from the building there came a man. And yet, this man felt wrong. Even from up in the air, I felt a chill that seemed to emanate from him. Him, Tobias said. I knew instantly what Tobias meant. 
I only saw him once in human morph, but it's him, Tobias said. Visser 3. Visser 3. The leader of the Yurk invasion of Earth. The only Yurk in all the universe to have taken control of an Andalite body. The only Yurk in all the universe with the power to morph. It shouldn't have surprised me that he would use a human morph. It made sense. And yet, I felt a cold rage deep inside me at the sight. It wasn't logical, but I felt it just the same. He was a fake human. He was using human DNA and human form as part of his plan to enslave all of humanity. Visser 3, I said to Tobias. Yeah, he agreed. He looks so normal, except for the fact that he gives you the creeps. I have a bad feeling about this, I said. I don't think they're going to wait long. I think they're going to take Ferrand right away. Ferrand was walking toward Visser 3, still waving his hands wildly toward the heavy machinery that was chewing through the trees. Visser 3 was smiling. It was not a nice smile. Where are Jake and the others? Tobias wondered. Oh man, I said. This is going to happen real. All of a sudden, Visser 3 lashed out and slapped Ferrand across the face. The commissioner staggered back. He held a hand to his cheek. The two men from the jeep rushed and grabbed Ferrand's arms. Ferrand was an older man. He was helpless. Cassie, look. That's either Jake or there's some other tiger loose in these woods. I looked toward the clearing. Now I could see it. A huge, orange-striped tiger was racing toward Ferrand. But he was too far away. It had all happened too suddenly. Jake wasn't in position. I didn't even know where the others were. Probably still morphing. It's up to you, I said. I adjusted my wings and aimed for Visser 3 and dove. Down, down, down. Faster and faster till my wings were vibrating and my bones were rattling from the speed. The target, Visser 3's human head, grew larger. 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 I raked my talons forward. I flared my wings just enough to keep from overshooting. And I struck. I could feel my talons bite into his scalp, and then I was out of there, carried away by my own momentum. Ah! The visor yelled. At the same time, Tobias hit one of the guys from the jeep. Tobias has more experience than I do. His aim is better. The guy he hit would be wearing an eye patch for the rest of his life. Yeehaw! Tobias cried. Ferran broke free of his remaining captor and ran. Get him! Visser 3 yelled, Full alert! The uninjured guard went after Ferrand. He caught up easily and knocked him face down in the dirt. I saw Jake closing in fast, a black and orange streak. Looking past him, I saw that there was a second battle out by the edge of the forest. Two wolves, Rachel and Marco, were on the controllers operating the machines. The perimeter guards had come running, automatic weapons ready. Suddenly, as fast as a gazelle, Axe ran to help Rachel. The nearest guard turned to take a shot. Axe's tail flashed, and the controller no longer had a way to pull a trigger. Just beneath me, the other controller from the jeep kicked Ferrand, who was struggling to get up. That was too much for me. I wheeled in the air and went back for a second run. Cassie! Tobias cried a warning. The front door of the building flew open, and they began to spill out. A half-dozen human controllers, each armed. And worse. Far worse. Four big hork But it was too late to back off. I was already diving. 
I heard the first two bullets go whizzing past me. I felt the third bullet hit my wing. It went straight through my right wing, and I tumbled from the air, suddenly as ungainly as a chicken. I fell. Helpless, I fell. I slammed hard into the ground. Dizzy and confused, I thought I saw Jake leap toward a Horkbyshire warrior. But I couldn't be sure. I was fading. Fading. My world grew small and dark. I could no longer see anything far away. I could focus only on the ground right before me. An ant was marching by, carrying a dead bug. Maybe I was just imagining things as I sank into unconsciousness. Maybe my brain was making up things that weren't there. But I could almost have sworn that the ant was carrying the dead, dried-out husk of the termite queen. And then, everything went black. Chapter 19 I woke up in a sort of large box. It was dark, but not totally without light. There were small round holes drilled in the sides of the box. Air holes. I could see the commissioner, Farrand, unconscious on the floor beside me. He looked old. He was mostly bald and had hair growing out of his ears. There was blood trickling from a shallow cut on his forehead. Turn on the perimeter defenses, Visser Three yelled. I could hear him clearly. I was still an osprey, but ospreys have good hearing. It was strange being able to hear the Yerk Visser's voice. We always encountered him when he was in his own stolen Andalite body. Then he communicated only in thought speak. You and you, keep your eyes on that box, Visser Three snapped. If anything, anything, no matter how small, tries to get out of there, destroy it. There is an Andalite bandit in that box, and there had better be an Andalite bandit in that box when this is over, or I'll destroy you both. Andalite bandit, that was me. Of course, if I didn't get out of the box, I would have to demorph eventually, and Visser Three would see the truth, that I was a human. And I would have to demorph soon. My wing felt like it was on fire. The pain was terrible. Visser, the Andalite bandits have turned the heavy equipment toward us. Someone yelled. Then turn on the force field. But, but Visser, our own people will be trapped outside the force field. The Visser's voice suddenly became very quiet. A very dangerous kind of quiet. Did I just hear you question my order? No, no, Visser. I'm turning on the force field. Ferran moaned. He moved his head a little, then became quiet again. Okay, Cassie. Think. Think. Obviously, my friends were still fighting. They must be winning, or the Visser would not turn on the force field. They had seized control of some of the machines and turned them against this building. As soon as the force field went up, the heavy equipment would be useless. And time was on the side of the Yurks. Viserthi would have called in more help. The bugfighters full of fresh hork could be landing any minute. When that happened, all would be lost. We were done for. No, think, Cassie. This was a game of predator and prey. This was war. What was the Yurk's weakness? What did they need that I could take away? Ferran moaned again. Of course. I took a deep breath. I began to morph quickly out of the pain-wracked osprey body, back to my own human morph. Morphing works on DNA, and DNA is not affected by injuries. My reconstructed human body would be normal. It was cramped in the box, 
with two humans in there. I was hunched over Ferrand when his eyes fluttered open. I was already beginning my next morph. What the man saw was the face of a girl, but a face that was sprouting luxuriant black and white fur. He closed his eyes again. He would think it was all a dream, hopefully. Ha! I heard Visser Three Crow. The force fields have stopped them! Visser, the first bugfighters will land here in 15 minutes. Got them! Visser Three said. This time, I've got them! He was using thought speak. The Visser had demorphed. I focused all my thoughts. I knew what I had to do. But it was dangerous. I had to communicate with the Visser in thought speak. And I had to do it without giving him any hint that I was a human. No long conversation. Monotone voice. As few words as possible. No images of any kind. Visser, I said. I'll kill the human. That was Visser Three's weakness. He needed Ferrand alive. That was the pressure point. By threatening to kill Ferrand, I threatened the Visser's plan. See, you can't make a controller out of a corpse. The Visser instantly understood. Everyone in this room, weapons on the box. Be prepared on my command to shoot the Andalite without hitting the human. It may be in any sort of wild, deadly animal morph. Do not let it escape. I got into position. The human me was scared, but the skunk me was perfectly calm. The skunk knew it had the ultimate weapon. Suddenly, the door of the box flew open. Visser Three stood there in his Andalite body, with his deadly Andalite tail cocked and ready to strike. Beside him, on either side, stood half a dozen armed human controllers, and in between the humans, towering above them, five huge hork warriors. The human controllers leveled their weapons. The hork had weapons too, but they didn't need them. hork are weapons. Seven feet of ankle blades, knee blades, elbow blades, forehead spikes, and armored tail, like Stegosaurus meets Klingon. All this awesome, deadly destructive power stared down at me. Visser Three aimed his Andalite stock eyes at me. His main eyes were already staring in amusement. This was the best you could do, Andalite scum? He laughed. Such a terrifying beast you've morphed. He laughed again. He laughed at the chubby, cat-sized black and white animal on the box. Laughed at the way I stood with my back to him, tail raised, looking over my shoulder. A skunk can fire its scent with amazing accuracy, up to about 14 feet. The Visser was only 6 feet away. Kill it! Visser 3 ordered coldly. But I fired first. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, I am your host and narrator, Daniel, and I would like to thank you for listening to another episode in the new year. Welcome to 2019. Happy New Year. I hope you had a good one, and I hope we all collectively have a good 2019, because it sure hasn't been a great couple of ones, uh, but maybe this one will work. Either way, still going to be recording these, still going to be publishing these. I'm not going anywhere. I don't got anything uh, else really to mention in these after show notes, so we'll just get through all the usual bookkeeping and get on out of here. If you'd like what you heard here, you can leave me a review and a rating on iTunes. If you use iTunes, you could tell a friend about this. That'd be really cool. 
Or you could just keep listening and enjoy the show. I appreciate that as well. Thank you, everyone who listens to this. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Just say hi, or ask me a question, or yell at me. I don't really care. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to my second podcast, OK Crusader, found at shoutengine.com slash okcrusader, or by searching OK Crusader through your uh, whatever podcaster uh, program you use. And this is one where me and guests go on the unofficial Marvel fan wiki, and we roll up some random characters from that wiki, and we discuss how dateable we think they are, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and we are wrapping up season one of that very soon, so that's very exciting. And then we're going into season two with bigger stunts and wetter jokes. It'll, it's going to be great. Okay, so that is all I have this week. I will see you all next week for the conclusion of book nine. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>